0: Hi, this is Big Bear Patton. You're
1: listening
0: to TV Confidential.
1: We got some work to do. And Roberts, with a reminder that the next edition of TV Confidential will premiere next week on this station at the usual time. Our guests will include Jeff Abraham. Jeff Abraham, comedy historian and the author of the show, Won't Go On. You'll can join us for that. In the meantime, Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us as they bring us this week in TV history. Tony's segment, as always, is brought to us by our friends at Story Salon, Southern California's longest-running, regularly-performing live storytelling ensemble. For more information, StorySalon.com facebook.com forward slash Story Salon we've been looking at notable TV milestones that occurred in September 2019 with that in mind Tony what do you have for us
0: speaking of class and dignity Scooby Doo Uh, September 13th 1969 the full title was Scooby Doo where are you Uh, then there were many incarnations does anybody know where the name came from no I'm going to guess stranger than the name exactly uh, they had already come up with the concept of the show. It was going to be this big Great Dane and these mystery-solving teenagers. And Joe Barbera was leaving L.A. Uh, to go to New York to pitch it to the network. And in the terminal, they were playing a Muzak version of "Strangers in the Night." <laughs> and while he goes through, you know, what we now call the T.S.A., you know, whatever you know, security check was at the time. And he that's what he's hearing, and he's walking to the terminal, and out loud he's going Scooby-Dooby-Doo, <laughs> and boom, that's where the name came from. So the name came basically at the airport on the way to sell the show to the network.
1: Hey, uh, I have a question. Yeah. Was Scooby-Doo always a great in?
0: As far as I know, he was always a... Great Dane. I'd never heard of him. I thought I'd heard of an
1: incarnation where they were trying to they, it was a different dog but then just visually a Great Dane is funnier.
0: Yeah. It, you know, it's funny because Marmaduke was already Ma- in, was mm-hmm. a Great Dane and the whole premise of Marmaduke uh, was his size yeah. and, you know, a certain awkwardness and you had a As Great Dane. As a
1: former Dane. Great Dane owner, yes.
0: Yes. And so there, you could see where comedy could ensue, but you know other than you know when uh, Scooby Doo is standing upright he's eye level with all the yeah. teenagers you know which could make sense
1: uh, we mentioned this when we had uh, when, when we did our segment on Casey Kasem a few weeks ago i was i i was surprised when i found out that the Casey Kasem was the voice of Shaggy because even though i i mean i'd heard american top 40 and i knew the voice of Casey Kasem i just and, and I guess this is a tribute to Casey and Casey, Casey, the voiceover mm-hmm. art. He made it so distinctive. Yes. When you yeah. found out it was him, I was like, I was completely But surprised. if you
0: watch Josie and the Pussycats, he was the voice of Alexander. Yes. Which sounded very much like Shaggy, so when the characters did cross over... You had Alan and Freddie, who looked like they were separated at birth, <laughs> and you had the two cowardly characters, Alexander and Shaggy, were voiced by the same guy. guy. Yeah. And so when they did cross over, you would see two look like twins uh, getting together. And when something scary happened, instead of just having Scooby and Shaggy, it was Scooby, Shaggy, and Alexander, and it was like an echo of the same voices that <laughs> run out. And then there was uh, in the Scooby-Doo movies. Uh, they met Batman and Robin. Were
1: where Robin and uh, where Robin and Shaggy were also voiced by, by Casey Kasem? Kasem. Yes. Yeah,
0: it, was, it seemed like for a while. And you look at uh, Super Friends also. Where uh, yeah. it's like, were there only three guys working in voiceover at the time? Because yes. it seemed like they were the same.
1: <laughs> it's, it's like yeah. the, the woman K- who did Kasem, Wonder Woman, Casey Kasem, Don Messick, and Lenny Weinrib. Yeah, Don <laughs> Messick was Scooby Doo. Yeah. And uh, he, he
0: was the voice, and he was Scrappy, I believe, for a little while. And, and well. a number of the villains, too. Yeah. And the villains, you can kind those of tell. Those darn kids. Those darn kids. Yeah, I would have gotten away with it, too, if it wasn't for those darn kids. And that dog. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, and, and maybe I'm a purist. I loved whether it was the original run or uh, when they did Scooby Doo movies, and even when they brought it back, when uh, I would say anything of the pre Scrappy era. When the villain was basically a bad guy who was trying to concoct some supernatural story to hide his criminal activities, to scare away. And at the end, it was the removing of a mask. I know it was predictable, but I liked it better than when they decided, you know what, the monster should be real you know and i thought yeah when scrappy came around and then you know the vampire was real or the mummy was real it really mm. took away because there was even though you had cartoon antics and silliness there was some thought in the plot
1: that the stories were well written yeah that's yeah. why that's why it is held up today. That's why so many kids, everybody knows Scooby Doo. Yeah. Everyone loves Scooby Doo. Greg, uh, Greg Airbar Ar- Ar- talks about that a lot. Not, not only the Hanna Barbera shows, but also a lot of the filmation shows. I mean, it's it's hard to write a good seven ten minute script, but there's a beginning, middle, mm-hmm. and an end, yes, and there are certain story points even within that confined. You know, limited form, and so it's not. You could easily, because it's animation, you could just say anything, and yeah. it would work because it's kids watching it. But there is an attempt to tell a structured story because you knew there's probably mom and dad or someone older watching, and so you had to keep them engaged as well. Unless you wanted to.
0: And uh, Josie and the Pussycats had more of a science fiction element as opposed to you know a, a ghost story. Well, I was, when, when,
1: when 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 I was when I was what seventy one seventy two I was I, was, I didn't care about science fiction. Yeah, <laughs> I just liked the outfits. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
0: the the long tails and paper hats. Yeah. But uh, usually, but there was usually some sort of logic playing out to solve whatever they needed to solve. So whether it was uh, the mystery or the ghost or something like that. So uh, later on, some shows even broke down the looking for the clues. You know, like they did like pre CSI split screens to do, uh, you know, uh, a, a, a replay of all the things they found and how they put it together. But Scooby Doo would not do. You, you, you had to kind of follow the story, but all the clues were laid out and you eventually figured out who and, it was. And
1: you talk about a, sh- a successful franchise. I mean, I think it was a staple of CBS for what? At least 10 years. I think longer than 10 years. And then they, years. Yeah. they
0: took it to ABC. And yeah. um, that's when the, I think. Because uh, they had Scooby-Doo, and then the Scooby-Doo movies, where you had guest stars, and there were Cass Elliot, Sonny and Cher, Don Knotts. Uh, I think Tim Conway did one. They also, you know, did the crossover with uh, Genie from the Genie cartoon, right. and, 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 uh, and uh, Batman and the Pussy Robin, Batman and Robin, Batman, Robin. And Robin Josie yeah. and the Pussycat, Speed Buggy. <laughs> uh, but you also had, uh, you know, voiceover talent right. that would, uh, you know, I, I, I regular think regular talent that would appear, I in think in like voice. Milton,
1: Milton Berle, or I mean. Some you know, a number of celebrity comedians. Too. Yeah, yeah,
0: and uh, and and some of it was very funny. You know, Don Adams, I thought was you know what they wrote for him. Don Knotts played a security guard. Yes, looked <laughs> exactly like Barney Fife. Right, and uh, but other ones would just be you know uh, Sunny and Cher on tour, and the tour bus breaks down. Yeah, yeah so, you know, just logical premises that you can incorporate character. Yeah, they also did Laurel and Hardy for some yeah. reason, which yeah. seemed a little out of time. Well, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, and the the three Stooges. They met the three Stooges yes. in, in in another one. But yeah, it was still the same premise. And then uh, they did on ABC. It was Scooby-Doo and Dino Mutt, where they did crossover, but they had separate shows. Uh, I'm and, gonna
1: stop because I've got the Dino Mutt thing in my head, but mm-hmm. I'm not gonna it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, and then
0: Scooby uh, Laugh Olympics. Yeah, and uh, so you had basically all the Hanna-Barbera characters and. Around the world, triple team company. Yeah. So they did a lot. Like I said, uh, when they brought in Scrappy Doo, I think that was definitely the jumping. That of was the, shark. That the shark. And I would say even uh, millennials who discovered the show later are. I think. I think there are more purists like me than what the show would become. And there are a lot of people that disavow the existence of the movies. Nothing against. Are we talking about the live action? The live movies? action movies, With yeah. Freddy friends Jr. Yeah, and uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar. I can understand. So oh, uh, yeah. you know, for a lot of people, you know, the Scooby-Doo that I'm highlighting here—well,
1: because uh, because it, because it's an ant- because it's a computer-generated Scooby-Doo. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And uh, I think a lot of people didn't like it for that. A lot of people just didn't like the story. It was, it was stupid. Yeah. When they started doing live-action movies, I yeah. think. Oh, that's, that's yeah. right. That's right. That's, that's, uh, the, that's I think a lot of the purists who are much younger than I am maybe themselves even themselves. yeah they will not anything post Scrappy they disavow. Yes. Yeah. And uh, there were, you know, other shows, you know, when they brought it back in different variations. Obviously, Scrappy was not around, and, and nor was any other uh, Scooby relatives. I happen to be fond of his cousin Scooby-Dum, but... Uh, I didn't know about Scooby-Dum. Scooby-Dum was a... Uh, he probably would not be allowed now, because he was kind of the, uh, the hillbilly relative. Not very bright, spoke like... Uh,
1: okay, I vaguely
0: remember. Yeah, kind of, uh, you know, from the Ozarks. Maybe, maybe like...
1: Snoopy's cousin Spike. Yes. Kind of like yes. Spike.
0: If Spike was from the Ozark, and pro- it could have been the result of some inbreeding at a puppy mill. Could be. Uh, that's. He was not so sharp. He was very funny. Yeah. Uh, and but it was like he he appeared in one, and, and then and they kept bringing him back for a while, and then uh, later on he yeah. yeah they they had the whole idea of a of a tiny nephew, which like I said that's when they they jumped. But anyway, yeah, so I think there are the purists. And I've noticed with the millennials sometimes, you know, the basic limited animation that Hanna-Barbera Television was known for, that's what they love when they think of Scooby-Doo.
1: Tony Figueroa and Donna Allen are with us as we commemorate the 50th anniversary of the Scooby-Doo franchise. We'll take a quick time out, and we'll continue our look at this week in TV history right after this. Be part of our conversation. If you have thoughts on what you've heard tonight, whether you agree or disagree... We want to hear from you. Send us an email, talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at tvconfidential.net, and we'll work your comments into our next program. If you're living with diabetes and using insulin, you know the pain of pricking your fingers over and over again. By wearing a small remote device called a continuous glucose monitor or CGM, you can reduce the pain of pricking your fingers right away. If you're testing your blood sugar four or more times per day, injecting insulin three or more times per day, or using an insulin pump, call the Diabetic Health Hotline today. 800-712-8002. That's 800-712-8002. Paid for by U.S. Med.
0: Become an advertiser or underwriter of TV Confidential and let our brand help promote your brand. To find out more, go to televisionconfidential.com slash advertise.
1: Be part of our conversation. If you like what you hear, have thoughts on this week's program, or have an idea for a future edition of TV Confidential, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at talk at tvconfidential.net, talk at Confidential.